This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this Monday, January 23rd, we welcome you to Real Talk. It's Jesperson and Hicks. Live from the Relay Studio in Edmonton's historic Mercer Warehouse in just a moment, political scientist uh, Dr. Dwayne Bratt, Charles Adler as well today, and a positive reflections presented by QB Energy <laughs> that you will not want to miss. It's going to make um, you giggle. It's, a, it's intended to make you giggle today. Positive reflections is typically, uh, no it is, uh, perpetually and perennially designed to fill your cup, to make you smile, to restore your faith in humanity. Sure. But, but but we're, we're taking a bit of a risk on this one today. <laughs> Uh, we're taking this one's a little bit cheeky, uh, and this will be in, in response to these uh, new Health Canada guidelines that are recommending that Canadians limit their alcohol intake to two drinks per week. And uh, I know that a lot of you real talkers are participating currently in dry January because you've told us that. And we uh, we uh, applaud you and encourage that. Um, as far as we're concerned, the position of this show is the more booze, the better. Um <laughs> No, the less booze, the better. I was thinking about our Christmas party, but the less booze, the better. We understand that's 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 the healthy approach to take. right? Sure. And we're hearing a lot about millennials and in particular Gen Z. They have lost their obsession with alcohol. They have, which is great news for everybody. They seem to be less interested in binge drinking. They seem to be less concerned with getting people to boot for them. Is that what the kids are still saying? Which that's is what great. we used to say, trying to get like every you know, your, your friends like older brother or older sister to go in and buy you know peach schnapps for you from the liquor store when you were 14 or 15 years old so people are drinking less and that's great uh but not everybody no and we're gonna have some fun with that today in positive reflections it's tongue-in-cheek don't write us emails everybody have fun it's monday morning and there's a lot of serious things to piss us off so we figured that maybe we'd have some fun on the less than serious stuff i want to talk about the vancouver canucks treatment of bruce boudreau at some point today but I want to lead off uh, with the story that's been leading the headlines. I don't know if it's it's fair to say across the country, but probably I think people are are keeping a keen eye on the Alberta legislature after uh, the CBC, uh, Megan Grant and Elise Von Schiel, who do a great job over there, broke this story. It was uh, mid last week, I think Thursday, when people really started getting serious about talking about this story, did or did not the Alberta Premier's office, Daniel Smith's office, contact Crown prosecutors uh, in relation to cases uh, stemming from charges relating to the Coots border blockade. Of course, you remember this as the convoy was headed to Ottawa, uh, ultimately occupying our nation's capital. The Coots border uh, south of Lethbridge was blocked and charges stemming from that were Pretty darn serious after a midnight RCMP raid uncovered a cache of weapons and plans, essentially, as charges would indicate, to inflict violence on law enforcement. They're patrolling that border. It was a tense situation, to be sure. Political scientist Dr. Dwayne Bratt has been keeping an eye on this story, no doubt. He joins us live from Calgary on this Monday morning. Dr. Bratt, it's always great to welcome you to the show. Thanks for making time for us. Uh, your initial reaction uh, when you first saw rumblings about this story. The premier said that that this was something she wasn't going to be afraid to, to chime in on. So were you surprised in the least at the allegations? No. Uh, when the story came out, I mean, they're, they're damning allegations. They go much deeper than we had initially thought. 
but it didn't come out of the blue. I mean, we've got Danielle Smith throughout her leadership campaign and since she's been premier saying that public health guidelines around COVID were wrong. She pledged amnesty uh, for those convicted and charged and had to walk that back. We have her on video, not once, not twice, but three times saying that she had called Crown prosecutors about COVID cases. Then they walked that back and said, no, uh, I would not do that. You can't do that. Everybody knows you can't call a Crown prosecutor. I only talked to the Attorney General and the Deputy Attorney General, uh, and I only focused on you know, uh, it, are these charges in the public interest uh, and are you uh, have a reasonable likelihood of conviction, both of which are standard operating procedures for any prosecutor. Uh, so when the story came that a staffer uh, was emailing uh, Crown prosecutors over the Coots case, you need to put it into the context of all of these other discussions around COVID and to simply dismiss it and saying all the, uh, as Daniel Smith said, if there are emails or as Rick McIver said yesterday, you know, if there's any evidence, you know, then we'll deal with it. Well, there is a lot of evidence. What this is, is growing evidence. And, and I tweeted out this morning, the initial video clip of Justin Trudeau after the Globe and Mail published a story using anonymous sources that Trudeau was pressuring Jody Wilson-Raybould over uh, SNC-Lavalin. And the video clip says, he goes, the story in the Globe is false. And of course, it wasn't false. And, and it ended up becoming a major scandal that led to the resignations of cabinet ministers, principal secretaries, clerk of the Privy Council, you, you name it. Uh, so that's why I put a lot of belief in this in this story because of the larger context and you know megan grant is the crime and courts reporter for the cbc right so she is connected to crown prosecutors elise von Scheele has broken a number of stories that have led to the downfall of cabinet ministers in alberta so we're talking two credible reporters here so i would not just dismiss it because it's anonymous sources and it's almost like the government is is daring the whistleblowers to produce more and more evidence yeah i mean and, and, and you've sort of run in these circles for i don't know 20 30 years and and i've been in the business for 20 years and just because somebody's not plastering their receipts in the window doesn't mean that they don't have the receipts and there are checks and balances that go into reporting and breaking stories like these and and uh you know i mean uh, that goes without saying the the emails as the cbc report says sent last fall uh from a staffer the allegation is a staffer in the premier's office a series of emails to the alberta crown prosecution service uh according to sources who as you mentioned uh Dwayne, the cbc has agreed not to identify because they fear they could lose their jobs uh and probably would lose their jobs so so this is uh like for people you know that, that we're listening to Danielle Smith's interview, let's say, with, with Rebel News, right? A, a while ago in December, just before Christmas, when, when the premier questioned whether the cases were in the public interest to pursue, whether there was reasonable likelihood of conviction, as you touched on, she said in that interview, quote, I've put it to the prosecutors and I've asked them to do a review of the cases with those two things in mind. And I'm hopeful that we'll see a true turning of the page 
which is a pretty loaded thing for a premier to say. She goes on to say, quote, and so you do, do and so do you continue on in prosecuting one when the public has moved on? That's the big question that the crown has got to come to terms with. Then on Friday, like I'm talking three days ago, she says definitively that she had not been in contact with crown prosecutors. Right. That followed two previous occasions where she said that she had requested a review of the covid related cases. Don't forget the jailed pastors. That's the other story everyone was talking about, uh, asking prosecutors whether it was worth pursuing certain cases. So whether it's a flip flop, whether it's misspeaking, whether it's getting into a situation with a a right wing news site where you you maybe say the fish was this big. Maybe it's one of those types of scenarios. Ultimately, how bad can this be for Alberta's premier? I mean, is this the well, type of thing that ultimately leads to I a think resignation? It is very bad because when we heard the initial comments, we quickly ran into the jailing of, of pastors for violating public health guidelines and 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 um, you know the the attendance at their churches or you know the whistle stop cafe. We thought about those cases, but we're this is about coots which shut down the border, cost the Alberta economy, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. There are very serious charges at play, including conspiracy uh, to murder RCMP officers, the large weapons cache that was that was seized. Um, and we know that uh, at least one UCP MLA, Grant Hunter, participated in the Grant in the Coots blockade. We know that Take Back Alberta, which now controls half of the UCP board, uh, supported and participated in the Coots border blockade. So this has become a lot bigger. And there's been a lot of misstatements that the Premier has made since she's become Premier and had to walk those back. And almost all of them, involve COVID, right? Right from day one in the press conference saying, you know, the unvaccinated were the most discriminated group she's ever seen in her lifetime to promising amnesty and then saying, oh yeah, I can't do that. People have been watching too much US TV and they think I'm a governor. Uh, to, you know, putting it in the Alberta Human Rights uh, Act and then saying, well, no, we, we actually can't do that. We're, I'm just going to call up businesses and organizations uh, and tell them what to do. And then reporters call those organizations and those phone calls never happen. So the credibility that the premier has on COVID cases um, is in repute. And this is why the story has resonance. If there was no there there, you know, why is there an investigation going on with the IT department to try to uh, correlate emails from staffers to Crown prosecutors? Why did they have an emergency caucus meeting uh, on a Saturday night, uh, which is quite rare? Why on Sunday were they all singing, uh, singing from the same hymn book? You know, so what went on in that meeting? Was the purpose of the meeting just to quell any discontent and say, look, if we have an election in four months' time, you know, um, we either uh, hang together or we hang separately. So they take the weekend. Um, I saw that as the, the 
Premier kind of buying herself some time, which is not unusual in politics. She says, listen, there's like, you know, it could be like 30 plus people involved on our team. She says there's more than 400 crown prosecutors. It's going to take at least the weekend to allow this independent investigation to play out, which is a, a convenient, politically convenient and, and strategically decent way of saying, I'm not going to answer questions about this. Not on Saturday, not on Sunday, maybe not into this week. But ultimately, if you buy yourself a few days off the pressure cooker, it's not like the story's going away. Ultimately, what are you expecting to come out of this? I mean, do you, let me ask you, just as a civilian, as an engaged civilian, do you have do you have confidence in the credibility of the so-called independent investigation? Uh, n- n- no, I don't. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that. How in-depth are they going to go? Is it possible that this staffer was using a personal email address instead of a government address? Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard stories in the immediate days and weeks after the transition that there were staffers, some of them senior, who were still using personal email addresses uh, because the group, uh, many of the people around Smith haven't been in government before. Yes, she She's been in politics, but she hasn't been in government. She was even part of the governing party for a few weeks, but never in cabinet and never as premier. So these things can can happen. Uh, Were they deleted? Yes, there are ways of finding deleted uh, emails, but not over the course of, of a weekend. Uh, and then finally, I th- there are receipts of these emails <laughs> from the Crown prosecutors yeah. involved. And so do we start to get those coming out? Yeah, I was going to say, you uh, can... are they screenshotted where they remove the the recipients and we just have some of the content in there? Because the content is important as well. This wasn't just asking questions like, is this in the public interest and a likelihood of conviction? This was pushing back, uh, forcing the Crown to justify their decisions. Uh, staffers providing, you know, uh, evidence that, that, that Coots, charges might have been overblown right so this is arguing um that sounds an awful lot like undue pressure to me so you know the story breaks late thursday um you know we we have some of the fallout uh over the course of the weekend within ucp circles uh, more evidence is going to be compiled because now it's not just cbc looking into this it's going to be all the outlets looking into this Well, yeah. And uh, I mean, this can, man, I have a lot of thoughts on this, to be honest with you. Number one, let me make the obvious point that that you made as well is that you you can delete emails, uh, but you can't delete them on the recipient side. And so you may have deleted emails off you out of your sent folder. That doesn't mean that they're deleted in the crown's inbox. Um, It it is possible, right? That you get a, 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 you know, Daniel Smith's team, like, keep in mind, everyone says the emails are sent last fall. Like, so when she won the leadership race and she puts this team together, that's not necessarily comprised of, of like, and I'm not, this is not a shot across the bow, but like, they're not all the most experienced. It's not like she inherited, you know, Kenny's staff in the premier's office. She filled it with her own staff. There are people that may be overzealous or people that were, were eager to get started that maybe lacked yep. experience that maybe lacked an awareness or an understanding of, of how serious this could be or how poorly that could reflect on the premier. Is this easily solved by something that happens in politics all the time, which is the premier going to one of her staffers and saying, sorry, you got to fall on your sword for this one. You're out of here. Yeah, it, 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 but that doesn't end the story here. Even if, so if, if Smith directed the staffer, that's an even bigger issue. Uh, but even if she didn't, why would a staffer 
go out on a limb like this uh, without direct instructions? Well, all they have to do is watch TV. All they have to do is watch her press conferences and her radio show where she condemns um, you know, the public health restrictions that occurred during COVID, where she makes all of these promises about amnesty and protecting the unvaccinated. Um, you, we have a pretty good idea right now what Daniel Smith's views are on what the Kenny government did to combat COVID, right? And so was the staffer just going, I am doing the premier's bidding. She believes in this and therefore I'm just trying to, to help out. I've already made some of the connections uh, with Coots and the Premier uh, and and the UCP. So, you know, the, <laughs> this is, as I said, this just didn't come out of the blue. This is a much wider context of, uh, of Smith and, and COVID. And this wasn't the only COVID story that broke late Thursday either, right? We also have the appointment of Preston Manning yeah. to write a report on... <laughs> how the Alberta and federal government harmed Albertans uh, during the course of COVID. And how do we know that that report is probably already written? Well, because he's already launched a National Citizens Inquiry. He's already written a study for the Frontier Centre uh, on, on a sort of fictional account of what a, a, an investigation would look like with recommendations. Smith said on her radio show that Manning has already been doing work on this. They're, that's why they hired him, by the way, at $250,000 a, a yeah, year. Yeah, nice $250,000 for the report. Yeah. So... You know, once again, we have a Smith wanting to relitigate COVID. What's the value? Uh, like, I, you know, I, I was I, obviously, I'm sure, I don't know about your friend circle, Dwayne, but mine is like, you know, they're, they're, they're politically engaged enough to know what's going on, but they don't care about all the nuance. But they all recognize the name Preston Manning. They all recognize the name Stockwell Day. They recognize... Ted Morton and like all the, the crew from like the 80s, 90s, 2000s, the crew that built the Harper yeah. machine. And and so they understand patronage appointments and golden handshakes and soft parachutes and all these types of things. And and over the weekend, it sort of seemed people saying, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, conservatives in Alberta, you know, you do enough, you wait long enough, you're, you're going to get that big briefcase. And everybody just kind of shrugs and goes, yeah, well, it's just kind of the, the way it is. But none of them could could determine or none of them could articulate what they suspected might be the value of this report. So for people that are actually watching the government's bottom line, well, there I mean, is there is tremendous value in doing a lessons learned report. Well, obviously what we went through COVID, but it would require credible people yeah. right across the spectrum, experts in this area, deep dive. That's not what this is. <laughs> this is what it's pretending to be, but it is not. We have one commissioner with one uh, question on the Republic Engagement Portal who's already been on record and written a report criticizing the COVID responses where he suggests at the end, maybe we need to hold those people criminally responsible and financially liable for the harm that they charge. So this, the conclusion has been written. Now it's just a matter of compiling the evidence to support the conclusion that's already written.
Before we thank you for your time and let you go, we're talking to Professor Dwayne Braddo to Calgary's Mount Royal University. You, you touched on Take Back Alberta really quickly, and, and I'm wondering for people that aren't familiar with the name David Parker, for people that aren't familiar with what's going on with this pack, um, you talk to people at uh, levels of government, both municipal and provincial, and they're keeping a very keen eye on what's happening here and expecting some major influence, uh, if not already playing out, uh, to play out over the next number of months. Can, can you bring the average uh, civilian up to speed on Take Back Alberta? So Take Alberta, Take Back Alberta is a group of about 30,000 people, largely based in, in rural Alberta, but not exclusively, who have large financial resources. They played a key organizational role in the leadership review that deposed uh, Jason Kenney. They were involved in Smith's leadership race, they now control half of the board of the UCP because uh, at the AGM, only half of the board positions go open every every year, every cycle. Um, they had a meeting a week ago. A week seems like a year ago right now um, where they now control the constituency association board in Rimby, Rocky, Mountain House, and Sundry, which is Jason Nixon's riding. Uh, and they may reopen the nomination uh, of Jason Nixon because his main competitor, a guy by the name of Tim Hoven, had been disqualified. Uh, they may now re reopen that. Uh, there was a mass meeting in, in Bonneville. These are people who are opposed to the public health restrictions over over COVID. Uh, they support uh, the Freedom Convoy. They supported Coots. Uh, and they have said that their next step is to start taking back Alberta from municipalities and, and school boards. So they feel that they've done the job at the provincial level and continuing to do the job at the provincial level and want to expand that to um, other segments of, of society. Anything we're missing, Dwayne, before we let you go? That's a lot for one uh, one morning. Um, you know, I'll be interested to get uh, what Charles Adler's uh, take on this is. Yeah, uh, I was initially thinking when I heard he was on the show, it would have been nice to be with Charles again. But uh, oh, is I he, guess you get to see us independently. Is Chuck chimed in? He's not chimed in yet. We asked for him at, at ten at ten minutes after the hour. But I would love to put you on with him sometime. He wants to. I know he's chomping at the bit. He wants to. He wants to chime in on uh, Pierre Polyev's trying to be Rick Mercer, right? With his like his rants, his walking rants. And yep. uh, and so and so I know that, that Chuck wants to chime in on that, and I saw Roman, including Babel. Rick Mercer's rant about Pierre Polyev's pension. That that <laughs> yeah, rant? Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to touch that one. And then did you see Roman Baber with his own cold, dead hands uh, tweet yes, over the yes, weekend? So. Yeah, yes, that is the new fight in the culture wars, uh, which actually came out of the United States. But that's okay. Do you have so a gas stove? Do you cook on a gas stove? No, we just have a regular, you know, range. Yeah, yeah. You know, but a house, but I have a barbecue that's natural gas. Oh yeah, there you go. Which has freed up the the uh, midnight runs to get propane when you run out. Atta boy, there you go, Doctor Dwayne Bratt. Follow him on Twitter at Dwayne Bratt, like thousands do, for great political insight and analysis. Mount Royal University. We'll talk to you again soon, pal. Okay, thanks, yeah. Ryan. Yeah, you bet. Are you? Uh, are you? Do you guys cook on a gas stove? We cook. No, we've got a range. Yeah. You got a range. Yeah. Uh, so when people are saying a range, that means electrical. Is that what everyone's talking about? Yeah. It's the and then thing there's that heats induction. up red and yeah. There, yeah. So there's the rain. There's the induction, which is apparently yeah. like the hot new one. What about you? Yeah, induction can like boil water in 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Everybody says, and it gets hot right away. And then it cools right away, apparently, which is also, I don't know much about them. The, the big, 
I don't know if I want to say hullabaloo because that's kind of uh, editorializing, but the, the concerns are, and, and I, I know real talkers that this is not the first time you've heard this. Everybody seems to be talking about this, you know, these there's reports out of the U.S. that suggest that rates of childhood asthma are up in households that cook on gas ranges. And um, and and actually, and I've done a bit of digging because we're we're thinking of doing you know a segment on this. We want to do a feature mm-hmm. on it, you know, if it's legit. And it appears to be somewhat of a legit story where where experts are saying, listen, uh, if you're cooking with a gas range in a house, you should have either the hood fan on. You should try to cook, uh, you know, use the the uh, the elements in the. I guess they don't call them elements, do they? But you know what I'm saying. Uh, the gas jobs in the back. You want to use the ones in the back. They say, or maybe crack a window. You're going, seriously, it's like minus 30 outside. I'm going to crack a window. It's not going to happen. Maybe keep kids away from it. Who knows? I don't know. A lot of restaurants have used gas ranges for years in particular. Uh, you know, I think people like them because they're sexy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like in the sexiest kitchens, they all seem to have the gas ranges, or maybe that's from 10 years ago. Yeah, they I don't look, know. They look nice. So a lot of people now are saying like, you know, Matt Gates down in the States and, and a Roman Baber up, you know, and we'll talk about this with Chuck in just a little bit, basically saying like, you can take my gas range from my cool dead hands. Oh, like God. the government's not coming for your fucking gas range. Uh, and now I'm seeing people try to get into it. And they're going, you know why? You know why the right is, is you know, and, and I like that Dwayne re- referenced the culture wars because it is. And, and, and now it's funny because you can you can virtue signal based on what type of fucking stove you use. Uh, but but people are, you know, the, people are saying, why, why is it all the why are all these like far right conservative politicians, you know, sort of acting like big heroes, scotch taping, duct taping, painters taping themselves to their gas ranges. And, and people are saying, well, you got to dig deep. You got to look at at who is this going to impact? Who? If people stop using oh, gas stoves, if gas. people stop running mm-hmm. gas lines, natural gas lines into houses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to do that that has a furnace. No. Are you going to run electric furnaces? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, maybe in the I, future. I, maybe in the future. Yeah. But I don't know a lot about my, my my furnace knowledge is weak, except for that I call a guy every two years to fix ours. That's yeah. about <laughs> that's about all I know about furnaces. So all about all I know about the environment is right now we need all types of power. We need a full spectrum. We need nuclear. Mm-hmm. We need gas. We need more solar. We need we need hydro. We Hell, need we're still all using of coal. it together. We need all of it together to power this planet right now. So yeah, Tracy says, "Listen, you guys, patronage uh, these patronage appointments says that's not new." It's been happening for decades, and Tracy's right. It's been happening actually for thousands of years. It's been happening throughout human civilization, obviously. Uh, says the UCP is just choosing to brag about it. Make no mistake, uh, the new Democrats uh, participate in so-called patronage appointments as well. And you, you might think, like, is this inherently bad? And people are going to go, oh, boy, here he goes into the gray areas. <laughs> but, like, obviously... If you're a politician or if you're a corporate leader and people help you get to where you're at and they're competent and skilled and you trust them, then you will bring you will add them to your team. That makes perfect sense. It makes zero sense uh, to appoint people to roles that you ideologically do not see along the same lines as the people that you do not trust, people that you do not believe are capable to do the job for sure. I'm not talking about public servants. Okay, I'm not talking about a conservative government coming in and, and polling ambulance, you know, EMTs and firefighters to see if they're all conservative. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about people in strategy roles, people in policy roles. Obviously, 
A conservative government coming in after a new Democrat government will clean house and vice versa. So there's nothing new there and it shouldn't be particularly surprising. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's okay for somebody that might not be the right choice to lead a public inquiry into a government's pandemic response, including health policy that really has no credentials there, that maybe hasn't had front facing political relevance, but make no mistake, has a ton of backroom political relevance. As a matter of fact, could argue he's the straw that stirs the drink. And of course, that quarter million dollar price tag is going to raise a few eyebrows as well. People are going to say the Manning loyalists, what do you expect him to do? Work for peanuts? He's Preston freaking Manning. You can let us know what you think all the time at talk at ryanjesperson.com. Of course, that's our email inbox, and you can also use the hashtag RealTalkRJ. That is powered by our friends at Park Power. If you are using a natural gas range, one of those beautiful natural gas ranges like we have in our home, and they can come take it from our cold, dead hands, I recommend that the gas that runs through that range, the gas that runs through your furnace, Maybe the gas that is piped right through to that beautiful natural gas fireplace in your backyard. I recommend you get it from Park Power. Why? Well, number one, because they're a friendly local utilities provider. When you get in touch with them, they answer back. Real humans do same day. Real humans? John, they employ real humans. I love hearing a, a non-robot. You know what I mean? When you like call a phone number and they're like, hello? And you're like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> Parkpower.ca is where you can compare rates on internet, electricity, and natural gas. And they've got a new promo code, a new incentive for real talkers. When you bring your business over there, when you sign up, make sure you use the promo code Real Talk 23. Real Talk 23. For every service that you get from Park Power, they're going to give you $50 off your first bill. That means if you go for the full shebang, natural gas, electricity, and internet, you're going to look at that bill and there's going to be $150 that just evaporates off of it. You don't get that anywhere else except for Park Power. Hey, we've got one more week. Well, you got about 10 days left in January, which means you've still got time to cash in on the Buy one, get one free offer from our amazing friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. If you got a hankering for a DQ sandwich, for a dilly bar, for a dairy-free dilly bar that our Ooh-wee. intrepid Johnny Hicks loves so much, <laughs> you grab a six-pack, you grab a box of six dilly bars, DQ sandwiches. You mentioned Real Talk, and that second box is absolutely free at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And, and by the way, grab a signature stack burger while you're there. <laughs> They're the only quick service burgers that actually look in real life like they look on the ads. The teams at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park do amazing work there. I will say that's the one thing my wife misses since we went plant-based. Oh, she's like, the signature DQ stack burgers. had the best hamburgers. They do. They're just any they're chain. next level. Yeah. They taste like you they taste like you're at somebody's house and that person makes you a burger from mm-hmm. so that's what they taste like. I mean, don't get me talking about DQ burgers. We'll be here for like 40 minutes. Charles Adler is just going to be like, seriously, you guys? Hey, we're talking about these uh, beautiful, everybody, you, you've been in one of these like sort of outdoor fire circles, right? And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I love throwing chopped, cured birch onto a ripping fire. I mean, there's nothing like it, but just flicking a switch and getting that natural gas fireplace going, maybe on a, a brand new stone patio. Nobody reeks like smoke. You can control it. You turn it off when you're done. You don't worry about fire hazards. There's no spark. Sparks burning everybody's new jackets. Eden Landscaping designs and builds these things to perfection. 
You can bring your outdoor space to life. Water features, retaining walls, pergolas, John. They do pergolas. Ooh. Everybody's saying they do Alberta's best pergolas. Wow. At Eden Landscaping. Find them online. Get the conversation started today at landscapeedmonton.ca. And I'm happy to announce on this Monday morning, we've got our Real Talk Roundtable locked and loaded for Friday. It's a political one. You're going to be hearing about the Progressive Pack this week. I'll talk to you about that more as the days go on. We're going to talk to three of the founding members of Progressive Pack. These Real Talk Roundtables are presented by our friends at Urban Timber. You know that. They're the ones that designed, they conceptualized They delivered, set up, and now maintain our beautiful studio table, and they can do the same for you. You can visit them online or in their brand new showroom in West Edmonton. And don't limit your sort of understanding of what Urban Timber does to just these stunning custom tables. Uh, They do uh, barnwood floors. They do unbelievable box car reclaimed wood installations, coffee tables, end tables, wood siding on houses, flooring that will knock people's socks off. You can check out exactly what they do online at urbantimber.ca. All right, before we get to Charles Adler, uh, I want to play this video of Bruce Boudreaux oh, coaching. Oh, yeah, this coaching, so... I, I want to get Chuck's yeah. take on this. Uh, this is, I mean, could it be Bruce Boudreaux's final NHL game behind a bench? Could be. It's possible. He's getting up to that age. He's where about 68, I think. And uh, you notice coaches, they're getting in younger and younger now. They so, are. Yeah. But you also talk to players that have played for Bruce Boudreaux, and they will go through walls for him. He's a once-in-a-lifetime coach. He's yeah. a so-called players coach. Mm-hmm. Players have loved him. He's a candid guy. I mean, I remember back when he was coaching the Washington Capitals, and they had those, what were they called, 24-7 or whatever they yeah, were? Yeah. These, the video features going behind the scenes, and Boudreaux was comical yeah i mean you know profane and comical (laughs) and just his players love him i mean look no further than than andrew cogliano if you've missed the story uh bruce boudreau coached the vancouver canucks for the last couple of seasons and 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 you know he might say it wasn't his finest work the team would say they didn't play for him uh you know i mean defenseman luke shen said we feel terrible he says we felt like we let him down the canucks did not perform how everybody hoped they would but Boudreaux's career coaching record, you know, you put it this way, the, the guy's coached about 1,000 games. He's got 300 more wins than he does losses. That's a big deal. This guy's a great coach. He's a Stanley Cup champion coach. And the Canucks treated him very poorly. Like shit. And, and I love talking shit about the Vancouver yeah. Canucks, but, but I'll try to remove my bias and even be objective. I mean, they were talking. Everybody knew that Bruce Boudreaux was going to be fired for like the last two weeks. It was horrible. But they I've didn't never, let him go. I've never seen a coach treated in that way. Usually you get you get the smell of they're going to get let go, and then it's, it's, it's three to seven days. This went on for like two weeks. Well, and you can also... Let, let a coach go. go. You can let the, you can name an interim head coach. Yeah, you can have an assistant coach step yeah. in, but they didn't. They left him there swinging, Horrible. taking questions from the media after every practice. What's this guy supposed to do? What's this guy supposed to say? And so finally, before his his last game Saturday uh, against the phenomenally talented Edmonton Oilers, Bruce Boudreaux basically <laughs> says to reporters, I, "I don't even know why I'm still here." He says that before the game. And so the Knucks go out and they're, they're, they're committed to winning. And ultimately, they didn't. They couldn't. It's kind of been the story of their past couple of seasons. And we wanted to show you this video if you haven't seen it already. So this is Bruce Boudreaux after the game. The Canucks lose and, and it's starting to hit him. You want to roll it, Johnny? 
in a season that's been full of turmoil it's hard to imagine we will forget the chance of Bruce there it is anytime soon and there is a, an emotional Bruce Boudreaux behind the Canucks bench yeah and he's taking it in right now thanking the fans very emotional heading down the tunnel a lot of times the coaches will storm down that tunnel after a game like this Look at that. Which is beautiful. A big shout out to my buddy, Tom Fleming, who, you know, I went and tried out to be the Canucks DJ when I yeah. was out in Kelowna. Came in second to my buddy, DJ Tom Fleming, uh, Red Bull three style champion. He actually played Whoop There It Is for the first time. And that's is that right. Yeah. After a big game. Well, in the third period of a big game, I think it was his first game where they were like making a change and everyone started chanting Bruce. Bruce there, there it is. is. And it just became this huge thing. You've watched a lot of sports games. When's the last time that you saw a fan base? Like when a coach is getting set to get fired, the fan position is typically don't let the door hit you on the way out. hundred percent. Fans are pissed that they're paying 300 bucks a ticket, that their team's going to miss the playoffs again, but they're not quite bad enough to maybe get Connor Bedard, mm-hmm. right? So they're not losing enough, right? When's the last time you saw fans holding up signs? We love you, Bruce. Never. I'm with you, Bruce. Never. I stand with you, Bruce. Unbelievable. And, and the damage done to the Canucks reputation in this situation. I mean, and, and <laughs> a lot of us don't like the Canucks, but this is just franchise this is the worst thing i've ever seen from a franchise and like you said how many uh edmonton oilers coaches have we seen where they just get booed sure jerseys on the ice get the fuck out of here fans are calling for coaches heads all the time and that was not the case in vancouver Mm -hmm. i mean the guy's got a special sauce i think people would rather see upper management go and him stay well and people are questioning the wisdom of upper management here including another stanley cup champion jim rutherford who's running this team what the hell is he doing and people had questions for them as they announced Rick Tockett as their new coach which is uh, just over the weekend that's a, let's get into that in just a second but I want to ask Charles Adler has spent a, a lot of his time in the city of Vancouver and of course we're lucky enough to have Chuck join us every Monday here on the show and he shows up where it is Winnipeg Jets lid <laughs> I love it hey man how are you You're talking Bruce Boudreaux has, has Manitoba roots I'm in I'm in Manitoba uh, nobody doubts in Manitoba that I am a huge fan of the Winnipeg Jets. I used to be part of the broadcast crew, and I love Rick Bonus and Mike Chipman and everyone who's associated with the Jets. But boy, I tell you, as this, I've got to say this on the you know the the morning after all the 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 Boudreaux massacre that if there's any way, Bruce, any way that you can get this into your eyeballs and and Mr. Chipman, owner of the Winnipeg Jets, if there's any way that you guys can break bread, and I will help you. Okay, I'll buy the bread. I'll buy whatever it takes. I would love to get Bruce Boudreaux to be part of our, our Winnipeg Jets family. Yeah, he. I mean, he said he goes, I don't know if, like, he, he sounds like he still wants to come. Obviously, it's a little early, right? Like, when, yeah. when something like you get unceremoniously fired and you're mistreated and it's kind of a weird time, but, but sometimes NHL coaches can pop up somewhere else quick. Um, I just, I've never seen... Uh, somebody like an esteemed professional disrespected like that and the fan base standing up yeah. in defense of him. It was really remarkable. It was like the one time in the last 20 years that I've actually gone, way to go, Canucks fans, way to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, I don't understand. Rutherford, J- Jim Rutherford, uh, who's got his pedigree, just as, who's been, I mean, th- did you see Rutherford yesterday with that 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 bizarre Apology where he said that the, the 
the whole problem here, and he's really it's unfortunate how Bruce has been treated in the last little while, but it's all about honesty that Jim Rutherford said he was too honest. He's been too honest about the team and the problems with the team, and and it's his honesty that has caused the problem. And so from now on, he'll he'll zip it. And I'm thinking, oh my God! I mean, uh, that's the that you know he's he Jim Rutherford was giving the the worst of politicians in, in Canada and the United States. He was giving them a, a good name. That that was the worst. What's your what's your HR take on Jim Rutherford, who is a respected guy? Yeah. Okay? I, I, What's your take on on Jim Rutherford's so called apology to, to Bruce? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this starts with the owner, Chuck. Like, I don't know if you know. I just think that there's a real culture problem there. They're about to. They're about to Whoa. lose. I mean, I. I don't know. I mean, like, I know that we're not a sports podcast necessarily, but the real talk, real life, people do care about this stuff. Like Bo Horvat, the Canucks captain, they didn't sign him last. Yeah off season they signed JT Miller they didn't have the money for Horvat and now they're in trouble because he's gonna walk in a 40 goal season and it's just a mess out if yeah. I was a Canucks fan I'd be pulling my hair out well I don't I don't see this as a, a sports thing this is a, a human thing and o- over the years uh, various corporations have let go of certain talented people oh is that right do you know some people that have been fired from prominent jobs Charles not, not oh. that you and I know anything really? about that. wow what was that like for them <laughs> but how you let go of somebody shows whether or not you're a human being. Yeah. And as he said just a few moments ago, when it was obvious to everyone, I mean, Bruce, I guess, was the last guy to find out, which was clearly indecent and, and classless. But when it was obvious that Bruce was going, just put an interim coach in. And by the way, for those people who think, oh, that's going to cost a lot of money. No, it didn't cost any money. You got several members of, of management of the Vancouver Canucks. You just tell one of the fellas. You are also now the interim coach. There's no extra extra money to be spent, and and Bruce Boudreaux uh, get, gets something that's a lot more dignified uh, than you know what what they did uh, to him in the last little while. I mean, leaving him publicly on the rack. And I, you know, I, yes, I love sports, and part of this is a sports conversation, but I see it as a human conversation. This is not the way we treat people in 2023. The Vancouver Canucks have basically done a clinic in the last couple of weeks on how people should be treated in the 1770s. Yeah. Um, we've got people in live chat that are making a fair point, and this is it's an equal opportunity show. We want to make sure that if we're, if we're going to rip one NHL franchise, we'll rip several. Sure. And uh, Tracy says, maybe the Calgary Flames should fire Daryl Sutter. That, that's never happening. Uh, well, not never. Never say never. Never, it's not, not, never. It's not happening right now. That guy's got the key to the city. You don't fire a Sutter in but, Alberta. <laughs> but, and if you do, then you I may be him, wearing a Winnipeg Jets Then you bring him back. Yeah. But did you see what he said I've, about I've, I've had enough beer in Alberta to know that Albertans uh, would would burn the saddle dome down if they they fired the. You're 100 right. But did, but did you hear what he said about Jacob Pelche? Uh, this this is this is pretty brutal. Did you see this, Johnny? So the the, the, the kid makes his rookie rookie debut. He's like 20 years old, 21 years old, right? He's a first rounder for the Flames a few years ago, and uh, he's uh, he, he basically he he gets seven minutes of ice time, which is not a lot in his first game. Uh, zero points, one hit, one shot, and the media after the game asks, asks the head coach. Daryl Sutter, uh, what did you think of Jacob Pelche's rookie debut? What did you think of his first game? And and Sutter says, what number is he? <laughs> like, dunks on his own rookie, which I thought was kind of weird, although Sutter's dunked on his own All-Stars no, before. Sutter, Sutter, can, Sutter can, look, Sutter is one of the people in this guy, one of the 
It's not, it's not that uh, it's not that I'm in love with the Sutter family, although I guess I am. But putting putting aside how I I feel about uh, the Sutters and Sutter heritage, Sutter is one of the few people in this country, and this is why I want to celebrate what he does, even when he says something like that. He's one of the few people in this country who genuinely has the freedom, Ryan, to say anything he wants. Mm-hmm. You, you, there's ne- never a doubt that when Daryl Sutter speaks, you're getting the real Daryl Sutter. He's not doing PR. Uh, he hasn't been uh, to HR seminars. Uh, he isn't worried about being uh, politically correct. Uh, he doesn't do things like, well, I, if somebody was offended, blah, 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 I apologize. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm too honest a person. My point is Daryl Sutter and the Sutter family, they're, they're not phonies, okay? And uh, for that, I, too, would probably assist people in wanting to burn the Saddle Dome down if they fired Daryl Sutter. Well, everybody in Calgary wants to burn the Saddle Dome down for very Well, reasons. okay, but that, yeah. that's a Putting aside the fact that it's easier to get in, in Calgary, you know, old, old barns aren't supposed to stay up, whether they're old barns, old hospitals, old hockey arenas, whatever. I mean, blow I, them up. I get that, too, about Calgary culture. Yeah, blow them up. Uh, Dwayne Bratt, we talked to him out of the gates on the show this morning. He says yeah. he was he was a little disappointed that he wasn't actually riding tandem with you, which would be kind of fun. Maybe we'll put the two of you together in future. Anytime. He's, he's very, and I know that the Real Talk audience will be as well. Curious uh, for your take on what's transpired over the past number of days, uh, a CBC exclusive report, Megan Grant, Elise Von Shield doing a great job. Uh, I think it was last Thursday, uh, trying to figure out what actually happened. Premier Danielle Smith first told Rebel News that she did contact Crown prosecutors about charges stemming from the Coots border blockade. Then she says she absolutely didn't. And then she says that she's commissioned an independent inquiry that's going to need a number of days to go through emails from, you know, what could involve, you know, 450 people, including prosecutors and political staffers. How are you wrapping your mind around the story? What are the big takeaways? Well, I don't I don't think she personally uh, talked to prosecutors. I think that uh, she had someone talk to them. I think whoever uh, did talk to them uh, might be able to uh, cover their tracks. Uh, you know, uh, I think this big thing about email, uh, if they do a forensic email thing, I don't know if they're uh, going into the server. I don't know whether the server was wiped. I don't know whether it was a phone call. I don't know whether it was a personal chat, whether it was a personal email. But b- b- bottom line, you know, whether or not the investigation comes up with the, the smoking gun email or the smoking gun voicemail, I don't believe in all that nonsense. Somebody working in Danielle Smith's coterie, okay, someone in her barn, as it were, okay, one of the people in her barn definitely contacted prosecutors or a prosecutor. It's not in the interest of that prosecutor to come forward. It's not in the interest of that staffer to come forward. But I, as someone who just told you how much I admire Daryl Sutter because he's the real deal, I'm not going to be a phony deal and twist myself into a thousand different things that only a contortionist at Cirque du Soleil can do. Danielle Smith wanted the prosecutors to back the hell off, and she had a way of doing that. And guess what? Bottom line, they did back off. They did. How do you know that? There's no one being prosecuted. Well, they've had charges dropped in a couple circumstances, but there are also pe- – there's there's actually another storyline here that, that deserves – attention and coverage and now i don't have enough of the details to have a strong take yet on this 
But, you know, one of the men charged in this uh, alleges that he hasn't seen any progress on his case. As a matter of fact, he says he hasn't spoken to legal representation and he's been jailed for 11 months. Now, it could be that that guy is refusing to speak with legal representation. But I do think there's a lot of people uh, right now that, that are impacted by by what appears to be the wheels turning rather slowly on this. And whether you agree or disagree uh, with the perspective that these people have or the position they took or, or or the fact that they jammed up the border, I do think that that is something that should concern everybody. I, I, I think there was a lot of illegal stuff being done. I think that cops were under attack. I think that cops were threatened. Cops, I don't care whether they're called, you know, if, if she wants to create her own Alberta police force, doesn't matter to me. Anyone who, who serves... Uh, whether they're, they're serving in Alberta or they're serving in Manitoba, anyone who's serving in Canada in a military uniform or a local police uniform, they represent us, okay? And when people want to threaten those folks, they want to attack those folks, some want to threaten to kill those folks, they belong in goddamn prison. And any premier, I don't care whether they're called conservative, whether they're called Wild Rose, whether they're called Maverick, you know, whatever the fringe group is, Anyone in this country who is part of this democracy, who wants to enable or assist in any way the freedom for people who threaten our cops, I'm sorry. You know, there are people who watching this over the last couple of years on social media, you know, they've got this impression that I'm some soft liberal or soft NDP or soft anything. I am not soft on crime and punishment, and I'm not soft on people who threaten our cops. And anyone who wants to position themselves as a conservative, that wants prosecutors to back off on the prosecution of people who threaten our police officers. I'm sorry. It's out of line. Yeah. It's I, out of bounds. I mean, everybody picks and chooses where they want to apply their political convictions. There's hypocrisy all around us. And that's why I appreciate conversations like this where we can call it out regardless of where it lies on the political spectrum. For people that are paying attention or that maybe have like kind of forgotten because we understand the news cycle moves fast. Uh, June of this year, there is a trial scheduled before judge and jury for four men that are charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Uh, obviously an extremely serious charge at the Coots blockade. Uh, they've elected to be tried before judge and jury. That's Chris Carbert, Chris Lysak, Anthony Oleniak, and Jerry Morin that were charged in February, about 11 months ago, after RCMP found guns, body armor, and ammo in trailers at that protest near Coots. And, of course, that's a story that we'll continue to follow Another video posted uh, by conservative leader Pierre Polyev. He is a master of his message. Every video gets hundreds of thousands of views, but I saw you clap back at it, and I, I want to know why. He's at an airport. I don't know if it's Pearson, but he's got his earbuds in, and he's doing one of his sort of Rick Mercer. I know I shouldn't say that because they're very different, but he's, he's, he's kind of making these one of his signature things. And uh, he doesn't need the media to have three minutes of, of uninterrupted rant uh, for his followers and supporters across the country. B before we get into this, here's a portion so people know what we're talking about. You want people to be afraid so that they forget that this is the chaos. This is the chaos we have at our airports. By the way, Justin, I'm able to record this message right now because my flight is late. Of course, it's late. Flights are always late since you became prime minister. The federal government is responsible for air transportation. Yes, that's you, my friend. And you don't want people to remember that you have failed in all of these areas. So you just, you divide to distract. Well, we're not gonna let you do that anymore. 
we're going to point out that these failings are your failings. They're not the failings of the Canadian people. In fact, the Canadian people want us to turn the hurt you've caused into the hope that they need. And that is what I am going to do. We're going to make this a country that rewards work again, where the dollar has purchasing power, where planes actually take off on time and where our streets are safe. That is the hope that is going to unify us and uni unity is what we need. Instead of your divide and distract, we will unite for hope. Now, I got a plane to catch. I mean, I don't actually think he has a plane to catch. I think the whole reason he's able to do that is because his flight's late, but I digress. What jumped out at you about the video? Okay, so here it is. This is just a television 101. This is not a political opinion. This is about the human condition, no matter where people are watching television around the world. When you're a TV producer, you want the visual to be as attractive as possible, because I want people to listen to this very carefully. Television 101. People listen with their eyes. Got it? They listen with their eyes. So if their eyes don't find something attractive, they don't actually hear the message. So for those people who think that I've got this burr in my saddle for, for Polyev and I hate Polyev, I, my major problem with, with, with Pierre Polyev is that he doesn't do what would be most effective for the conservatives to be most competitive in the parts of Canada they need to be competitive in. I want democracy to be competitive. And the conservatives happen to me, my old home, okay? Yes, I've been orphaned by some of the modern-day conservatives. That doesn't mean I become a liberal. It doesn't mean I become an NDPer. I want the conservatives to be a smarter, more intelligent party. Now, digital media matters. If digital media didn't matter, Ryan Jespers and I wouldn't be doing what we're doing. So since people listen with their eyes, why give them that lingering, tight, tight close-up? Not for 10 seconds or 20 seconds, but for three goddamn minutes. That's Bush League. That is not how Pierre Polyev should be shot. Now, he may not understand that because he may not understand enough about television. But certainly, the Conservative Party has enough dough to hire professional television people. And there are professional TV campaigns they could look at, whether they're coming from the Republican Party, whether they're coming from the Democratic Party, whether they're coming from old conservative ads and liberal ads. It's not difficult to figure out how to do a campaign ad. All of these things are campaigns. It's campaign day every day. And making your leader look like, and 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 I know that people want to take shots at, at how I, I say things because they find them to be uh, too violent. But I'm sorry, there is no politically correct filter in the human mind. When you make your political leader someone you want to position as the next prime minister of this country, and you've got him, you've got the close-up for minutes on those cold, cold eyes, those arctic cold eyes, what you're doing is making him look like a stalker, like a stalker who's shopping for a hammer. That's what they're making the leader look like. And so my objection isn't about Pierre Polyev. My objection is how... He's being framed, how he's being positioned, and really how they're turning him into something that I would call room service for Jagmeet Singh and Justin Trudeau. It reminds me of those 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 weird Rogers ads where Mark Messier kept calling Connor McDavid 
And it was like, you got to leave Connor alone, man. It was like, hey, Connor. Hey, Connor. It's like, hey, Justin. Hey, Justin. It's just kind of a weird campaign. It's it's creepy. But it's playing with the base, and people love it, and it gets hundreds of thousands of views. So, I mean. But it's creepy. And the thing is that no matter, and you know, some some women want to say, Chuck, don't speak for women. I'm not speaking for women. I'm speaking as a person who's a media professional, Okay. And the, the, the people who are most turned off by those kinds of what, what we're talking about here, okay, the, the, the stalker uh, stereotype, that, that's what Pierre Pauli, I'm not saying he's a stalker, I'm saying he looks like a, like a sure. stalker, okay? So the, the, the number one people who are turned off by that are women, and the conservatives need women. The conservatives don't need to turn off women, and I don't know what it'll take to convince both Pierre Polyev and the people around him that that's something he has to take seriously. So he may enjoy watching these things and he may say, Hey, I'm as good as Rick Mercer and blah, 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 blah. I'm just telling you it's damaging the conservative brand every day that people are exposed to that. And it's helping other people who want to create ads about the conservatives. If you want to create an ad today, making the conservatives look scary, all you've got to do is take the material they're giving you. Uh, let me ask you this in closing. It's a personal question. It's, it's been a long time since you and I were able to break bread in person. I remember the last time that we did. Uh, it was in Toronto. And I, I, we had we had a few beers. We had, we had like, I, I, I think, at least three. Uh, I might have even had beer. four. You know, we were, we weren't, wa- we weren't driving. We were walking driving. back to our hotel, yeah, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, hell, yeah. I may have had five, Charles. I don't know. Um, on the average week, how many drinks would you have in an average week? Health Canada says that Canadians should endeavor to have two or fewer drinks per week. Now, yeah. what about you? I, I actually go many weeks where I I, I don't drink at all. You know, I, I talk about drinking much more than, than <laughs> I actually do. Drink. I'm a, I, I, you know, what's the, what's the expression? All hat, no cattle. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I drink at Christmas time. I drink it. I drink at parties, but you know, am I uh, spending a whole lot of time here in this? Uh, you can tell I've got too hot. And by the way, I went out of my way. Um, once again, I'm, I'm kind of like Danielle Smith here. I didn't do this, but I had people who, who work with me or for me, whatever you want to call it. I, I had people with me uh, who um, I'm supposed to hit the like button. I don't know where the like button is. Yeah, Johnny just I- Johnny put that up. So if you like what you're here, if you, if you think that you have a particularly strong take on the show today, Chuck, just hit the like button on the YouTube. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, okay. that's what everybody's so, seeing that, not just you. Okay, yeah, we I'm, want I'm to sorry. hit like, subscribe, so, I, I, share. You know, this, you got to say like that me. this is like the new era, like man. Me. This is the new like era, me. you know? Okay. This is the I new don't age. Have, I don't have cold eyes. But you were okay? telling us, you were telling us about your, your production value. And, and Johnny and I were so, both playing it cool. I hadn't mentioned it. I was going to mention yeah. it in the extra. Right. I was going to mention it. We said goodbye. And everybody's noticing. You see what's behind me. You see what's behind me. I see. And this is for you, my friend, okay? This is a nice flex. I had staff spend several days okay <laughs> yeah. going through various storage lockers to find the emmy okay and uh, so here it is and i've, I've made sure to put it behind me i also got uh, uh some uh, some great artwork behind me and i appreciate uh, so- appreciate that and uh, some some good people have uh, have helped me uh, get into some um, new digs there and you I'm go in, uh, now in bc in, in bc of course uh, had the uh uh, the, the the pleasure of spending a lot of time by by the ocean and had some great oceanfront views and uh, of course the prairies is that that's my my natural home uh, most of my adult life has been on the prairie whether it's in Al- Alberta or in Manitoba and I'm in Manitoba right now 
And I've got, uh, when I tell my BC friends, I've got an ocean view uh, from my my new place. I can see the Walmart from here. And um, it's a great place to be. I've also got the bank <laughs> next go. door to me uh, with uh, some of my dough. I, I think they've also got the $250,000 that's going to go to a Preston Manning. By the way, that'd be a great, you were saying earlier, uh, he's Preston freaking Manning. Don't you think that'd be a great Twitter handle for the modern day pastor Preston? I do. Preston think freaking Manning. Preston at Preston freaking Manning. I think yeah. that would be great. And by the way, Preston Manning over the years, uh, just to be uh, you know fair, uh, he has been a, a great inspiration uh, to many of the people who have uh, listened to my shows in, in different parts of the country, but especially in the prairie. And Preston Manning, I've got to say, was one of the best guests. And this is why sometimes people get pissed off with my feelings about Danielle Smith, because my personal feelings about her are very positive. All my personal contacts with her have been terrific. And my personal contacts with Preston uh, were, were terrific. Uh, he did uh, many of my shows, and uh, my listeners were were crazy about him. Uh, so I don't know if they're crazy about the fact that he's getting, you know, a quarter of a million dollars to sort of cut and paste his old uh, a coloring book on 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 COVID nonsense. Uh, that's a, a whole different uh, Preston. Never thought I'd see Preston doing that. But in general, I've got to say that he's an elder statesman in this country. Uh, Preston Manning is a is a great Canadian. And even though I will uh, crap on uh, some of what he may now be doing, I have nothing but respect for the for the human being who I affectionately call Pastor Preston. There you go. Yeah, I, I uh, went to school with uh, two of his boys and played basketball and volleyball with them and would call them dear friends to this day. So, uh, But hey, personal and political you know, are oftentimes two different avenues when you host talk shows, and so that's the way yeah. it is. We'll talk to you again next Monday, my man. Uh, Emmy's looking good there on the shelf. Thanks for doing the show. And uh, by the way, uh, you were earlier talking about having your socks knocked off. Nobody knocks my socks off. Oh, jeez. Like real talker, <laughs> Ryan Jesperson. Okay, there you go. We got our new billboard. That's Emmy Award winning talk legend, Charles Adler. Wow. He's got a new setup there. <laughs> it looks good. Go through yeah. go through storage rooms to find his Emmy. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I had an Emmy, I wouldn't. It would not be in a storage locker. I think I'd be bringing that thing with me to lunch dates. Um, can, can can we get personal and two drinks a week? Mm. Uh, how 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 many fewer drinks a week? No, that's too personal of a question. But but what were your John? What were your thoughts on two drinks a week when Health Canada announced that Canadians should endeavor? To consume two or fewer drinks per week? I don't know what's going on. You know, a couple of years ago, they told us, have a glass of wine every it's day. It helps. Heart. It's good for your heart. And now they're like, stop. But hey, crack is legal. Did like, you see this? So I, I want so I wanted to I, show I this because it. this is hilarious. This is a story. This is now this is out of the Telegraph, right? In the UK. Okay. So this is a British publication and the headline. Re- it's hilarious. Uh, and the headline, and but I don't think they're trying to be funny, but they're trying to be biting for sure. Uh, you know that there is legislation happening in B.C. There's legislation coming to effect where they've decriminalized virtually all drugs, the so-called hard drugs, people call them. And so the headline reads, Canadians told to have two drinks a week as crack is decriminalized. And then the subhead reads, Justin Trudeau introduced some of the strictest guidelines on alcohol in the West ahead of the decriminalization of certain class A drugs. Now, that's a bit misleading. Obviously, the prime minister can't tell you how much alcohol to drink or not to drink. Um, and it's not really Justin Trudeau. It's Health Canada. And so there, there's there's flaws in the reporting. But the conversation's an interesting one. 
and I was talking to a buddy about this and, and he's a pretty candid guy. And, and, and I said, so what do you think about two drinks a week? And he's like, buddy, I've had two drinks by like Monday at quitting time. You know? <laughs> I want to know when the government's going to tell us how much crack to have a week because <laughs> I really need to know my limits yeah, for we, that. So you should know your limits on that. <laughs> and, and, that and, I, and I get and I get that people are going to say, listen, you guys shouldn't be you know, you shouldn't be joking about this. Alcohol is a real problem for that matter. Crack and cocaine and, and, and other drugs are a real problem. And it's not a laughing matter. And sure. Uh, and it is real life. And uh, and sometimes people joke about this type of stuff. And uh, but obviously alcohol consumption is an issue and obviously it's not good for you. And we all know that. So so it's an interesting story to follow. I'd be curious to pick your brains on this. And it will be the theme of this week's edition of Positive Reflections, which is coming up in just a second. Mm-hmm. But first, I wanted to talk. We, we, we mentioned this tweet from Roman Baber. So you'll remember him. He wanted to be the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. Mm-hmm. He was one of the he was one of those that was, you know, in contention against Pierre Poliev and all the others. Jean Charest was kind of the other headliner. And then, there, you know, Dr. Leslie Lewis and Roman Baber and Scott Aitchison. And you remember this. And and Baber just he was like the other right winger. Right. He was sort of like, I guess he wanted to eat a bit of Pierre Polyev's lunch, but he just couldn't quite get there. And he's not as compelling a personality. He didn't have the same team. He didn't raise nearly the same amount of money. He couldn't get the same high profile interviews. He just even to be shallow, to be super shallow. He just doesn't look like a leader. Sorry, like people care about that stuff. He just doesn't have leadership qualities. But over the weekend, he took a strong stance on yeah gas stoves. And two drinks a week and everything else when he posted this tweet. And obviously, you know, a lot of conservatives, a lot of, uh, of, of, of in particular, right wing conservatives uh, appear to be latching on to it because it's getting a lot of attention. And this is what you might call virtue signaling. This is, is what is what you might call something to do with the, the culture wars, but a, but a hilarious tweet from Roman Baber. And, and you can check it out on if you follow me on Twitter. Uh, and if you go to my homepage, you know, or whatever you call it. Do you call it a homepage on Twitter, John? You know, you, you go I there. I hate when you, people you, call it a website. I'm like, <laughs> isn't it an app? Like, it's not website. a site. But it's so funny because he, he sits there and he, and he posts this just the other night and he, and he wants people to leave him alone. And, and I'm pretty sure that everybody was leaving him alone. But, but he says, me and the lady... Me and the lady, by the way, me and the lady will drive my V6 Jeep. So I guess that's him saying that he doesn't have an EV. Mm. I think that's so count the signals, count the virtue signals in the tweet. Me and the lady will drive my V6 Jeep to the store that still gives out plastic bags, then drink alcohol while cooking red meat on her gas stove. We're not bothering you. Don't bother us. Hashtag. Leave us alone. Leave me and my lady alone. <laughs> Leave you know, me that, and the lady. It's funny you bring that up because my like I always say the wife or my wife, and it's my wife always says my partner when she talks about me, ah. and it's something I've been trying to change. Interesting. Been, I I always like I listen back to the show and I'm like, oh, I should say my partner because it's a thing she likes to do, right? Yeah. I think it's becoming like in the past where we say the lady or the wife or whatever, right? Well, so. it's yeah, it's like it's it's like the the old old school when guys are like. The old lady, or the old lady, the, ball and the, the old ball and chain. The old lady <laughs> says, "I can't make it to bowling, boys." But but if Jatinder's listening, I'm making an attempt <laughs> to say my partner more because hey. I I it's so I, I feel so respected when she's like when we're I hear her say it sometimes on the phone. Well, me and my partner will be there at this time, and I'm like, wow. I'm her partner. I'm, you know, I'm the equal. I'm, and it, I'm and great. And it kind of feels like, and it kind it of feels like, good. Inf- infuses this energy. You're like, we're partners. Yeah, we're doing we're this, in this together. together. Yeah, yeah. 
where wife, hubby, husband, maybe he feels a little bit more kind of like, does it feel like property? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> or or are we just a bunch of snowflakes? You'll Did, see that if you want if you want to read the the comments on Baber's tweet, the, the word snowflake pops up yeah. a lot. But I just think it's so funny. So like number one, okay, you're going to drive your V6 Jeep. Fine. First of all, uh, as I clap back in my and I'm just having fun with this. But like I said here on the prairies, we don't brag about cylinders unless we've got at least eight. I don't. I can't remember the last time a buddy bragged about a V6. Um, second of all, plastic bags. Like plastic's a problem, man. Like, it's, it's a huge problem. We all need plastic, but, but like, also, I'm you to go to the, okay, okay, baby. Yeah. So you get your plastic bags. Then we're going to drink alcohol while cooking red meat on her gas stove. Uh, and, and then the picture, of course, is just a coffee carafe. Why, why do they get so embedded? Why do people get so hopped up? Like, you can't make a little change, have less plastic, less alcohol. You got to go like full because throttle. Because the government's telling them to do it, John. Yeah. Yeah. The government will not tell me. I'm going to drink <laughs> alcohol out of a plastic bag. <laughs> And then burn it on my stove, which is gas. And I'm going to breathe it all in. It's like, man, you know, this is really, really bad for you. Before you get to positive, did you want to mention this tweet going back to Boudreaux? Because I know you want to talk about Boudreaux. Well, I do. I'm happy to talk about it because I actually think that um, this is, I think the tweet's out of line. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous. But yeah, sure. Let's get into it. So this is Ian Kennedy, uh, writes for the Hockey News. Ian's, um, listen, Ian does some really great work. And Ian's also a bit of a wet blanket. And uh, he tweets, for the record, so Rick Tockett, the new head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Replacing uh, Bruce. Replacing Bruce Boudreaux. He's, he's a, a, a legend in the National Hockey League. He's tough as hell. He scored a lot of goals. Um, Rick Tockett has a lot of respect in the hockey community. He has sat on the, the TNT uh, panel with mm-hmm. Paul Bissonnette, Wayne Gretzky, and those guys. Um, you know, for quite some time. And, and, and so Ian brings up, everybody knows also, like Rick Tockett kind of took a bullet for... For some other high-profile people, including, uh, if I can say it, uh, uh, you know, the great one's partner. See, partner, yeah, yeah. The, Janet Gretzky. <laughs> people Never- are loving the partner. <laughs> are they? The I, haven't even, I don't yeah. even have the live chat open yeah, right yeah. now. No offense, love you guys, but, um, but so there was that kind of gambling ring, you know, and, and we have to think now. Um, you know, boy, attitudes about gambling were a little bit different twenty years ago. But Ian Kennedy tweets today. For the record, Rick Tockett was arrested and guilty for his role in an illegal gambling ring in 2007. He was also arrested and guilty in 2011, making a false declaration while taking more than $18,000 in cash across a border. There had to be other candidates, right? Mm. Asks Ian Kennedy. Your thoughts? I didn't want to, on purpose, I'd like to pull back the curtain, let real talkers know you and I sometimes do not talk about an issue before we do the show because we want to, we want to, we don't know, you know. Well, I don't, I don't know too much about the, the, the ins and outs of exactly what happened. I know there were. It was a bunch of rich people. Tons of people involved. That were putting money on games. None of them were working for the teams. Mm -hmm. That's not to, listen, it, it broke the law. So it It, did break the law. Period. It was illegal. Yeah. Like he didn't, he wasn't like. OJ Simpson, he wasn't like, I, I think there's varying degrees of things. Mm-hmm. I also personally believe that when somebody does their time, they do their time. They've paid their debt to society. And I also can't ignore the fact that there's gambling ads on every. I was just going to say that. Okay. So I was just going to say that now, like, look at how loose we are with gambling. It's it's during the game. Everyone's involved. Wayne Gretzky's on ads for. Yeah, MGM. For, yeah. So I, th- I think if he served his time, if he did what was necessary to correct himself and now. 
obviously our thoughts and feelings have changed on gambling and sports, right? Yeah, or at least some of ours. Mine, like, I, I don't some really Some people care. are still I mean, against I think, it, but... I think, and listen, I think like you've got to be careful that gambling's not polluting this sport in the sense of Very like, games are being thrown and things like that. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Pete Rose and the Chicago Black Sox and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I'm not writing that off. That is legitimate, but like everybody's gambling these days. I recognize it's not for everybody. I recognize that some people's lives have been destroyed by gambling, mm-hmm. but it's legal and talk it paid his dues and and like not properly declaring over eighteen thousand dollars eighteen thousand like do you mean eighteen million no eighteen thousand okay yeah. and like not properly declaring so what is it? you got to declare more than 10 grand he probably won it in vegas didn't you know like, I, yeah. I just sort of think like it's just a weird thing for kennedy to dig his heels in on yeah it's it's, yeah. it's like even the most recent stories from 12 years ago mm-hmm. It just seemed weird. But gambling, it can rub people the wrong way. I still see people tweeting during the Oilers games being like, get this gambling off the screen. Yeah. But then there's three commercials for booze in between those. And it's like, I, I just think the only thing I'm scared of is there should be more ways to regulate your gambling on the apps. Because I've used a bunch. Obviously, we use them with the hedge. Yeah. To just kind of make timers or like maybe have notifications come up and be like, hey, you're betting more than you usually do kind of thing. Right. Because I think people can get, especially when you're watching a game, you have a couple drinks. You go back on the app, it, it could get a little out of hand. Hey, we got some real talk right now from Allison in our live chat. I really appreciate her sharing this. Uh, like, listen, and, and let me also say, I'll make you a commitment, Allison and real talkers. Like, I want to show up, and I won't speak for Johnny, but I'll show up to every single show willing to change my mind. And for sure. I, I hope that's the spirit of our conversations. Allison says, as somebody who's a recovering gambling addict, it's high time we regulate gambling ads. She said, it makes me really angry. She said, they're not advertising to the average person. They're trying to get the people like me who are not able to control it. I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Justin says, judging past actions based on the sentiments of the day is dangerous. He says, uh, and, and he said, and I also wouldn't say gambling's more accepted, uh, it's online and it skirts the traditional definitions of games of chance. Okay. I mean, Fish Fan makes a point, just a hockey point, says the Canucks could have brought in a better coach. Like, Tockett's coaching record is subpar at best. That is true. That's true. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. Chad says, imagine ads for opioids. Well, like, I mean, gosh. We want to We're open, getting into a big We are getting here. into it. Maybe it's, we I should get into we it. We like, more time for this. Put it this way. Like, you can advertise alcohol anywhere you want. Like, anywhere you want. Music festivals, uh, sports games, like, wherever. Alcohol's everywhere. You know that. You can't advertise tobacco anywhere. Like, Vancouver used to have the mm-hmm. Benson and Hedges Symphony of Fireworks or whatever it was yeah. called. It was, like, you know, fabulous. And, like, I guess everyone was, like, firing up Benson and Hedges <laughs> while they were watching. I don't know. But, you know, but what about prescription meds? Like, I'm always blown away by the commercials. If it's like, you know, I'm making up a name. It's like Sindula. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it just shows people like having a campfire and like playing bocce ball. And it's like Sindula. And then they like, they're laughing and swimming and splashing. And then it's like, ask your doctor about Sindula. <laughs> and then you're like, what even is this? And then, and then at the end, it's like Sindula may cause your hair to fall out. It may also cause your liver to failure. You will never have a job. You'll never have a job. And you are going to lose everything. But Sindula, Sindula. And it is like, you can advertise all kinds of things. Yeah. You can't advertise cannabis anywhere. 
anytime you see a cannabis company advertising, it's illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them will do it, just pay the fine. I've seen it advertised at music festivals as an example. They'll just pay the fine. And and I had gambling in my family. My father was a gambler, and it was a horrible thing, too. Is that right? But my general thing is, like, people got to be responsible for themselves these days. But I wouldn't mind, like, if you're going to not have cigarette ads and you don't want gambling ads, let's just get rid of all the ads, the booze ads. Like, let's just make it uniform I, for... It, sure. You know what I mean? But Which boy, is never well, going to happen. It's so, never going to happen. Like, we don't have... I mean, we're, we're saying this as we're about to release the Real Talk bourbon. So you're about to hear some bourbon ads. <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't mean like in 30 seconds from now, but um, hey, straight up Real Talk. Like, we're, we're thrilled that we've partnered with the distillery and we're going to be releasing a maple bourbon in a couple of weeks and our Patreon supporters will have first access to that. But so I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that like clutch pearls and say whatever, you know, I think all of this should be, I mean, imagine the revenue that broadcasters, that conventional broadcasters see from, I mean, imagine the Super Bowl is coming up on February 12th. Um, and I'm going to tell you where I'm going to be hosting a Super Bowl party too. But, mm-hmm. but, but imagine, I mean, Budweiser and all these other brands. I mean, if you were to say well, you can't advertise booze anymore, mm-hmm. I can think of some, some broadcast titans that would be pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, what do we care about? What are our priorities? It's hard. It's hard. And I do realize, I do recognize like all these things are problems for people. Tobacco, gambling, alcohol, drugs, all these things lead to addiction, right? But uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, right? Because either. other people make money off it. I'm not talking about just big corporations. People have jobs. People have families that are related to the income from these companies. Well, and so. there are, and there are people that brew beer that do amazing work and, and that you mm-hmm. can have a beer and enjoy it. And it's wonderful. And a beer or two beer, is fine. Brewing ten, started ten beers, with the monks, you know, right? It's not so good for you. Yeah, ten beers is not great. Not great for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Allison follows up, says, yeah, capitalism would never, uh, you know, Chad vices are where the dollars are. It's true. Tracy says cannabis is a great example of carefully thought out regulation uh says we'll need advertising can't get rid of it as uh, you know some is needed to gather clients and customers yeah i don't know about cannabis the, the legal cannabis uh market is is struggling it's but in trouble in i Canada. agree with her like i like how they did it like everything is very like when you go in it it seems safer than all those other vices yeah everything is packaged properly sealed like I go in there and I obviously look of age and I always get ID'd. Like, so I feel, yeah. I feel yeah. like they did better than the other ones. And then there's really dumb stuff. And I'm not going to get on my soapbox here. Well, I will, but just for like 10 seconds. But for, for, for those of you that are, that are also cigar enthusiasts, you know, one of, the, one of the, the, the really sort of like wonderful things about, about the cigar culture is the art on the bands, you know, mm. the, the paper that wraps around the cigar. And, uh, and, and cigar manufacturers, uh, you know, I mean, everybody knows, like, you know, in so many ways, as you know, that when I say Veuve Clicquot, you know what that <laughs> bottle looks like. Yeah. When I say Cohiba, you know what that cigar looks mm-hmm. like. In Canada now, uh, Health Canada is requiring cigar manufacturers to cover up their bands with, like, you know, basic gray paper. Mm-hmm. Why? Because kids are getting into humidors and they're attracted by the label of the band to the so i i mean i think that's ridiculous i i actually think that, that that's something that i've sort of had comments on before in past i also recognize that of mountains and molehills this is a molehill mm-hmm. you know this is arguably a a, a mosquito's tent in front of a molehill mm-hmm. um and if it saves some lives and if we want to meaningfully address things like lung cancer or start conversations about changing attitudes and behaviors then then maybe it is a step in the right direction and and maybe i could be stood to be proven wrong ken wonders is there anything more harmful to our society than social media addiction 
mm-hmm. he says unless we, <laughs> yeah. it says unless we educate kids better on addiction in general and how our brains work we're not going to legislate addiction out of society a hundred percent i think I just it. just teaching people for all these things even food can get out of control eating too much like just moderation and as well like showing people like just how to use things properly and also just putting more money into addiction services. So when people do go down the road and, and and get lost, they have lots of help and it doesn't cost. Well, I would like it all to be free, but doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Yeah. Love it. Um, that said positive reflections this week, we're going to have a laugh. Uh, there's a guy in St. Catharines, Ontario that is, uh, not necessarily keen on the new Health Canada regulations. That's coming up in 60 seconds. Before we get there, I want to let you know, if, if all this talk about bettering ourselves is, is reminding you that, that you have a plan this year to either go back to school or maybe you're thinking about going back to school or maybe you're not even, th- maybe, maybe you're just going, gosh, it would be great if I could go back to school, but there's no way I can make the class schedule. There's no way, well, how am I going to, I don't have a car, I'm going to park at the university, that's going to cost so much. Uh, plus I got kids and then you're caring for your aging parent and hey, hey, hey. Athabasca University has world-class accredited online programs and courses that give you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. Take your education to the next level. It is Canada's AU, anyone, anywhere, anytime, open university for advanced learning. There is no better time than right now to take that degree or master's program You can go to AthabascaU.ca for more information. You know they have 35 online master's and doctorate programs, and the only commute is to your device. How great is that? You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website. Also, a big shout-out to our friends at Friesen Brothers. Alberta-grown, Alberta-owned, my friends. We are, what is it, 10, 11 days away from the 1st of February. You know what that means. 15% 15% off grocery purchases of $75 or more. And don't forget, you can check out their Family Solutions Flyer. If you go to Friesen.com, that's F-R-E-S-O-N. The Family Essentials Flyer. This is a great resource for families that are looking for quality food for low prices. This business started owned by family, still is, back in 1955, always focused on great food around the family dinner table. That's our friends at Friesen Brothers. Well, thanks to the team at Kubi Energy, every single Monday, we kick off our week with something that's going to encourage you, something that's going to, we hope, brighten your day. And and sometimes it's a random act of kindness, and, and sometimes it's a story of somebody paying it forward. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a video of starlings flying together and creating these beautiful patterns. You get the idea. It's something outside of the news cycle for the most part. Now, this one is a bit of an exception. Because one want to actually bring you an interview that ran on CHCH-TV in St. Catharines, Ontario. This is called a streeter, you know, where a reporter goes out and starts to talk to people on, you know, the street. The, the average, uh, you know, John and Jill Q public. You know, how do folks feel about what's happening in the halls of power? And so they find this guy outside a liquor store in St. Catharines, Ontario, and they ask him what he makes of Health Canada recommendations that people limit their alcohol intake to two drinks per week. And uh, this is an absolute classic right out of the gates. What did you buy today? I bought uh, six Bush Light, six Bud Light, and I love them, tall boys. Tall boys? Uh, how much would you drink a day? Well, what day? A regular day, I don't know, maybe a couple beers, depends. Weekends, maybe, you know, five beer. 
Two drinks a week. What do you think of that? Well, that's just not uh, feasible, not in this country. Well, come on, man. Two drinks a week. What's that going to do for you? I mean, that doesn't even get you through a day. A reasonable amount. If you're, I mean, if you're at home, you should be able to have like uh, four beer. That's just uh, that ain't. That's just two more. I mean, I'll have six. But four is a fair number. But there shouldn't even be guidelines anyway. Why are you going to tell me how much I can drink at home? Well, I guess the idea is, would you be concerned that you're at a higher health risk if you're drinking too? No. That's the, the main point here is why are they telling me what I can drink at home? What, can I have uh, two liters of pop? Can I have two liters of pop? Well, what's more healthy? Four beers or two liters of Coca-Cola? Do the math. <laughs> so I'm guessing that this information about the new guidelines isn't going to change your life. It's heartbreaking and I can't even believe it. Rock and roll! <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You can't handle the tooth. <laughs> So for people listening on the podcast, Buddy's missing one of his front chompers, and he rolls out and says, you can't handle the tooth. Just leaving that in the wake. Unbelievable. He's not wrong about the two liters of pop, by I was going to say that, yeah. He's not wrong. My favorite line in the whole thing, that's just not feasible. <laughs> that guy, an absolute legend already. Kudos to the reporter who sniffed him out, and we had some fun with it. Uh, that's CHCHTV out of St. Catharines, Ontario. If you see something that absolutely makes you laugh, I feel like I have tears in the corners of my eyes right now from giggling, and I've seen it five times already. Send it to us. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. Positive Reflections is presented by our amazing friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. You can get a free solar quote today at KubiEnergy.ca. Hey, do you remember Rick Peterson, uh, chair of Peterson Capital? He's a money guy, right? He sought the conservative leadership two races ago. Uh, he founded that Center Ice Canadians movement. Well, Rick, as mentioned, uh, keeps an eye on balance sheets and bottom lines. And he says that this Alberta pension plan is a bad idea, but not ideologically. He's talking strategically and we're going to find out why coming up tomorrow that's tuesday's real talk later in the week we'll talk to valentine low royal correspondent for the times how are prince harry's bombshells landing in london and as mentioned our real talk roundtable coming up this friday presented by urban timber we'll talk to three founding members of progressive pack what's this political action committee all about uh, what are they hoping to achieve and is this an indictment of NDP strategy? We'll get into those questions and more on this week of Real Talk. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.